Hey, here we are. It's Bills by the Numbers, where we let the stats tell you where the Bills are at. We're presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Coming up as the divisional playoff round approaches, what is the state of Buffalo's pass rush since Von Miller has been out of the lineup? We dive into the numbers. Dave Lapham, former Bengals offensive lineman, joins us to talk Bills Bengals. And we'll have our one burning question. Let's get off the ball. Happy you could join us here on Bills by the Numbers. Bills Wall of Famer Steve Castor, Bills Insider Chris Brown here with you. And it's been a total of six games now that the Bills have played without the services of one Von Miller, who was lost for the season due to a partially torn ACL on Thanksgiving. Over the last six games, what is your assessment of the effectiveness of Buffalo's pass rush in Miller's absence, Steve? It uh, started out really well. I think now it's a little bit, it's better than it was last year without Von Miller, but it's not as good as it is with him. Right. I mean, the guy is a Hall of Famer and he's a winner. And I think his presence also has changed when he was on the field, it changed the offensive philosophy about protecting against the Bills front. They moved towards Vaughn. They chipped Vaughn. They double teamed Vaughn, which left Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, and of course AJ Epinesa, Rousseau, and the rest with single single guys. Um, you just you, if you take the top guy off of any group, any position group in the league, yeah. you're going to feel it. And I think the Bills have felt it. But I do like what I've seen from the Bills, not only in the pass rush but also in the run defense. Their defensive tackles have been a huge upgrade over the course of the last 18, 19 games this season. And that has also helped them in their pass rush because they're in a lot of third and longs this year that they weren't last year. So, yeah, I think the pass rush is is good enough. I don't think there's any reason to wring your hands over it. Um, if there's a, I think this team – it's not, it's not the best one in the playoffs, no question about it. I don't think this is the best pass rush in the playoffs. No. But I think they're good enough with the guys in the back end to make this go. And I think if they're going to, if there's any weak link in an offensive line that they're facing, they're going to exploit it. Yeah, it's kind of a shame because the whole reason this team signed Von Miller were for these games right now. That's the yeah. main reason. Yeah, they got him because they, you know, they lose in the playoffs last year, and it's due in large part to the fact that they didn't have a closer coming off the edge on defense to end the game. Yeah. And in the games that Von Miller played this year, he ended two of them. Got the sack in Kansas City in week five. Yep. And then got another one at the end of the game, I want to say, against Detroit. Um, he did it in, the, in L.A. He got some, some And in L.A. as well. On. Um, yeah, so he, he, he yeah. was a closer. And, you know, you're going to miss that now, that veteran presence, guy that knows when the game is big, he's got to step up. And more often than not, he does. You don't have that anymore. And... You know, when you're playing Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, you know, you want your closer there. And they're going to have to rely on the younger guys who have come along. I mean, Greg Rousseau finishes with eight sacks on the season. He ties Von Miller, even though Von didn't play in the last six games. We're assuming he'd have more than eight. Um, But he tied Von Miller for the team lead come season's end and has been encouraging to see out there on the field. I think he's taken a step this year, but it's – it's not the same, and I think Leslie Frazier's deployment of blitz schemes is a testament to that. He knows they're not getting home enough 
and that it's going to have to be manufactured by other means. Taking a look at the numbers over those six games without Von Miller, Buffalo's pass rush ranks 15th in QB hits with 34, 15th in sacks with 17, and 10th in QB pressures over that span. We should mention the quarterbacks faced over that six-game stretch are as follows. Mac Jones twice, Mike White, Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Fields, and Skylar Thompson. Do those figures alter your assessment of the effectiveness of the pass rush knowing they haven't faced an elite quarterback? Um, yeah. I mean, you've got you've to take marks against them. And let's face it, though, a lot of the – a lot of the pass rush statistics aren't about the quarterback. It's more about the offensive line that you're facing. Chicago's offensive line is certainly not that good. However, the Miami Dolphins came in, although they were nicked up, they played some guys on their front that were, you know, Taron Armstead played in the game against Buffalo here. So their left tackle was intact. Um, certainly the, the New England offensive line, while it, their offense hasn't been good. Their pass protection has been fine. They've got a quarterback that can't run at all, and certainly that helps your pass rush. But that's a team that was flirting with the playoffs because of their offensive line and their run game and their defense. So I'm not going to discount um, everything that the Bills did up front because they did they did played bad quarterbacks, but they played pretty good offensive lines. And so that, to me, gives you some optimism for how well they can play against the Bengals and the rest and these guys coming down the stretch. They, paid, they played a beat-up offensive line in Miami this past week in the wild-card playoff, and they got four sacks on the day. So that's a pretty good outing, and it's right in line with kind of where they have been. Some would argue they should have had more against the third-string quarterback, but whatever. Um, they should be playing a beat-up offensive line again this week, and we'll be talking with Dave Lapham, Bengals radio color analyst, a little bit later to dive into that and what that could mean for Buffalo's pass rush going forward. Knowing that the Bills will be facing Joe Burrow and possibly Patrick Mahomes or Trevor Lawrence the week after, is a middle-of-the-pack pass rush ranking in some of those categories, Steve, good enough against those kinds of quarterbacks they're going to be seeing from now on or, or might... Leslie Frazier have to go to other means to get the pressure well, he deems necessary to render them ineffective. Well, you're going to do all of that anyway, but the question is, do you have to do any one thing too much, and do you become predictable? That's the problem. I think that's not going to be the case. I still think this Bills defense, if, they, if they're getting a third and, all, third and seven plus, they still will feel confident in rushing four, and they can get home. The ball will have to come out on time. If they get in third and long, but that's going to be the crucial element. They've got to play well on – first and second down as well. Now, these teams also, like Cincinnati, like Kansas City, the teams left in the AFC, and, and Jacksonville for that matter, they're not afraid to throw on first down. Mm-hmm. you got to be good all the time. And so I'm, it, it does give me some, some hope that this is going to be a better stretch for the Bills' pass rush than they have had over the past three years, just because not only the – the experience that they've gained, but also the depth they've got down inside. The tackles are a part of this, and their ability to push the pocket has really helped those guys on the edge. So I think, yeah, I, I, I think it, I'm not hesitant about the matchup going into these games. I'm just wondering how far Leslie Frazier feels he has to push it in terms of being creative, exotic, if you will, 
because the Chiefs already played the Bills once, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. they got to f- take care of the Bengals this week. And we know Joe Burrow, more often than not, even when he gets sacked a ton in the game, he it care. really doesn't affect his play. He doesn't care. You know, people talk all the time about you hit Derek Carr early three or four times in a game, he turns into a turtle. Right. Joe Burrow does not. Yeah. He is unaffected, Joe's unaffected by, by hits. Bless his heart. And so I'm know, curious how yeah. that's going to impact You're the right. approach this weekend in the game. That that's the thing that I'm wondering. And does Leslie Frazier well, have to do something a little bit different to to make it difficult for him in another way? Yeah. When you're playing, though, when you're coaching and playing, you're not counting on – you certainly see it in the run-up to the game, but you don't count on a quarterback be, turning into somebody else or affecting his play mentally. You always, it's always about the play in front of you. You've got to affect him. You've got to scare him off this throw. You've got to scare him off um, this decision. You've got to fool him into making a bad throw or, or make him pat the ball because yeah. you fool him. You're not really, you don't really try and coach uh, – in a in a small play by play way, you're not trying to affect the quarterback that way. Certainly, if it happens, you take advantage of it. But they're going to try and get to him. If they sack him 20 times and he gets up like none of them hurt, you're still going to you're still going to get after him. Um, and if he starts to turtle or starts to get skittish, you're not going to change anything any right. either. Uh, certainly, you can get some benefit from it, but you're not coaching that way. So. Yeah, the fact that Joe gets up after sacks, same thing with Josh. Um, sometimes they get better. Yeah. You know, some guys like gets Joe adrenaline going. Guys like Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, you sack them in some ways. Sometimes it's like you you kind of wish you didn't yeah, you later. Woke, you woke up the sleeping exactly. giant kind of thing. So uh, you're, these are the kind of guys you're playing against now. I don't know about Trevor Lawrence. We haven't seen him yet. But Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow – you hope you have success against them, certainly. But you know this, they're not going anywhere. Yeah. They're going to get better as the game goes on, and they're going to think their way out of problems. As far as effectiveness, Von Miller was the most effective when it came to pass rush win rate for the Bills. He finished the season ranked sixth in the league in that stat with a win rate of 23%. Looking at the individual pass rush stats for the Bills, the most effective pass rushers with the most production per snap have been A.J. Epinesa, Shaq Lawson, and Greg Rousseau. But in games that are going to be close, which could be this weekend, who do we think stands the best chance of being the closer that they signed Von Miller to be? I think it's going to. I, I think it's going to be Greg Rousseau. I think his length and his ability to get off the edge um, is the key. And and let's face it, these two tackles may be both for the Cincinnati Bengals may be. Maybe backup tackles. Um, Jonah Williams may be able to come back in. I'd be surprised. I'd almost be surprised if both Kappa and Jonah Williams are not playing. Lyle Collins is not an option. He's not going to get back on the field. But those two guys, I would be surprised if both of them. I think one of them, or maybe both of them, may give it a shot. Um, but I think I think Greg Rousseau is the guy that I would watch more so than anybody. And and in fact. In addition to those three guys, it may be Ed Oliver down inside. I yeah. think he's an issue for a guard who's not that mobile. And a, and a backup guard, you would think that's exactly who he's going to get. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping Ed shows up here because we haven't really seen him be a major headache for a team since the Detroit game. Right. Um, gets golf for a safety in the end zone. 
You know, he's well, up for Defensive Player of the Week honors. I'll say this. That kind of thing. So yeah. I would hope that's the case. But I'm, I'm kind of in your boat, Steve. I, I like Rousseau to be the replacement closer here. He's going to be facing a backup in Hakeem Adeniji, who we know has started three games now, four games, counting the playoff game at right tackle. So he's probably pretty settled in at this point. How effective he's been, we'll have to wait and see. And if they feel it's a problem matchup, they're going to stick a tight end over there. They're going to bring him back out to chip, you know, Russo a little bit. So maybe if he gets some extra attention, maybe it does open something up inside for it. I'll say this about Ed Oliver that you mentioned. He, his stats as a defensive tackle, a lot of times their stats are not going to be like a defensive end stats. Certainly Aaron Donald's an exception to that. He gets a lot of sacks, but Ed, over the course of the last month and a half since the Thanksgiving game, he has made some plays they didn't get credit for. He'll penetrate and get through there, scatter the offensive backfield, and let Greg Rousseau or somebody else – he'll scatter the quarterback. He's, he's really been disruptive, and he'll get in the backfield and be standing back there and everybody's scattering out. You know, yeah. He's like um, you know, throwing a, something into a room full of rats. I mean, they scatter when he gets back <laughs> in the backfield, right? And somebody else will run him down and make a play. So he does a lot of that. He's really disruptive, although his stat line – you don't, you don't see that too much. He had two sacks in the Christmas Eve game against Chicago and had one taken away from him, right. which he was not happy about after the game. And he also leads the team in quarterback hits. So I'm not saying – I wasn't – I didn't mean to indicate he wasn't productive. He has been. But we just haven't seen him take over a game like we did right. on Thanksgiving against the Lions. We expand this pass rush conversation now – and take a closer look at Bills Bengals in the divisional playoff with former Bengals offensive lineman Dave Lapham, who is also the Bengals radio color analyst. All right, Dave, a lot can change in three weeks when these two teams were supposed to meet. Now it's for a lot more on the table in the divisional playoff. It's winner go home, as you know. And some things have changed with respective lineups, most notably. The offensive line, an area you're pretty familiar with, to some injuries there for the Bengals to deal with. Uh, how much could that potentially change? You know how how they call things on the offensive side of the ball, knowing it did kind of change their approach against Baltimore when the injuries happened last week. Yeah, and and I think um, I think it's one of the three big keys. I mean, in my mind, it's always turnovers, red zone. Red zone is always a big determining factor in every game, in my opinion. But and then this week, all it's like one one a one a one b one c. With the one c would be protection pressure. You know which football team is going to be able to protect their quarterback, and will the Bengals be able to do it with three new three new guys in the offensive line? The only guys that have played right next to each other during the course of the season now are rookie Volson at left guard and in uh, Karras the center. Every other every other grouping every other pairing is a new dynamic and they've played together a very limited number of snaps i mean the football gods were cruel to them all year long for 15 games the entire offensive line played every snap together did not miss one snap then boom three straight games boom 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 you lose both tackles and and you lose one of your guards just just an unbelievable i've never seen it before i don't know many people that have ever ever seen that happen uh before so yeah it's going to be all right well the, the problem that they're going to have is that the Bills can get pressure with just four guys, and the five can't handle those four. And then they have to put a back in there to chip or a tight end in there to slow block and then slide the line to help and slow block. With the, if you have to use all those players 
to help protect the quarterback, you got like three or four guys out in the route with seven guys in coverage. You can just about double everybody. So it's going to be very, very interesting in my mind. How will the Bengals coaching staff adjust to, man, they're, they're pressing us just a four-man rush. Our, our five guys can't handle their four. What are we going to do? I think that's a big key. And then if they do start to blitz, if the Bengals can handle the four-man rush and they start to blitz, you know, what kind of an adjustment will be made? So the chess match of how they're going to, how many bodies they're going to have to use in protection to hand out, handle uh, any pressure packages that Leslie Frazier and Sean may come up with. Or, and then the other side of it, will they be able to pressure, you know, Josh Allen enough? I mean, he's a big guy. He can create and extend. Um, you know, I, I think that's going to be very interesting. Will, will Hubbard and Hendrickson and, and others be able to pressure the quarterback without having to blitz? I think I think that ends up being a big, big key in this football game, no question. Yeah, and these two teams, uh, there's no question. You get to this point, the division around the NFL, particularly these two teams, because you're well-rounded. You look at how good the Bengals' defense has been, and you look at and the Bills and their fan base have taken great pride in how good the Bills' defense have been. You look at the rankings, and man, oh man, they are close. I mean, both these defenses statistically have been very solid this year. Um, I think you're right. In, in your first remarks, you said which one of these defenses and how you think it will happen that can thrive or create some sort of turnover that will change the game. Because you're right, I mean, even in this game last week against the Dolphins, it was the turnovers that kept the Dolphins in it. And when the Bengals get yep. into trouble, it's because they turn it over. How do you think these defenses can manufacture it against these two really good quarterbacks? Yeah, that's that's a great a great uh, point, Steve. You know, it's I mean I, I'm looking at the game, the stats after the game, and it's like, man, Josh got sacked seven times and he had three interceptions, and they won the game. I wonder if that's ever happened before. Well, I guess it hadn't, you know, in playoff history. Um, so it, it's amazing that it had answers to it, even with the turnover problems and, and everything. The the one thing that the uh, the Bengals have done a great job of, and there was another example of it. This, this last game against the Baltimore Ravens, they never quit on a play. You know, a guy up and over, and he's trying to – Huntley's trying to extend the ball. He's, he's um, kind of uh, trying to be, bring out his inner Trevor Lawrence, you know, and go up yeah. and over and, and extend it, and boom, out it comes. Pratt and Logan – and then Logan Wilson smacks it out of there, and away you go, 98-yard fumble recovery touchdown, the longest fumble recovery touchdown in playoff history. But it's like – Jesse Bates makes a tackle on, after a 35-yard run, makes a tackle at the two-yard line, knocks him out of bounds. That set up the goal line stand. So, you know, it's like hustle plays, making plays, and then forcing turnovers. They had a red zone turnover um, that they had to have at the, down the stretch in their eight-game winning streak. If they don't uh, take the ball away in the red zone, they're going to lose that football game. They take it away. Another 47-yard pass down the football field in a, in a game. Not only, okay, well, the, the pass happens, it's a 47-yard play, flip the field, but they rip the ball out, you know, when they're tackling them, taking them to the ground. So they always, their whole deal is it's all about the ball, and they have turnover drill after turnover drill. They show, you know, uh, video uh, clips after video clips, and their whole emphasis is turnover, turnover, turnover. Last year's run in the playoffs, in the four playoff games they had, they won three and then lost the Super Bowl. They had nine takeaways. In, in four games, and they had two takeaways in the first game against Baltimore. They won the turnover battle two to one, and the one was a defensive touchdown. So it's like they know that that you have to win the turnover battle. The bigger the game, the more important it becomes, and they really have a big focus on it. 
And, and uh, you know, that'll be their, their M.O. against Buffalo on the road for sure. Last one I've got for you, Dave. You know, we talked about which team can get pressure on the opposing quarterback. You know, you look at it, the Bills only had 40 sacks this year. Losing Von Miller on Thanksgiving was a costly loss for them. They've had to use a few more blitz schemes to generate more pressure. Uh, and Leslie yep. Frazier has tried to mix and match those as best he can. The Bengals only had 30 sacks this year. Um, you know, I know Hubbard um, is a grinder. So, too, is Hendrickson. They get production. But what has been the M.O. for those guys consistently generating pressure as a defensive front? Does Anarumo have to go to the blitz at, time to time? I mean, what have you seen from them in terms of generating consistent pressure week to week? Yeah, I think I think that he he definitely leans on the H boys, you know, Hendrickson and Hubbard. He feels like he gets consistent edge pressure, you know, from those guys. Um, the best interior pass rusher is B.J. Hill. Uh, he'll he'll get uh, significant uh, in, inside pressure. D.J. Reader will definitely push the pocket. He's not going to have a lot of you know dynamic. He's he's not like Oliver's quick as a hiccup. You know, I mean that that dude is quick inside. That's not D- DJ Reader is more of a bull, um, and he will. Lou Anarumo will will mix his pressure packages. There's no question about it. I mean, he has been magnificent this year as a defensive coordinator. I think I think a lot like Sean and Leslie. It's start. It's back down. It's back end oriented. He he disguises coverage more than anything. He wants the quarterback to be confused, hold the ball for another beat, uh, or totally confuse and make him run with the football or whatever the case may be. And, and then he'll he'll mix his pressure packages as well. He'll load the line of scrimmage, and you don't know which of the seven are coming. Um, so he he, they, he does a lot of that. He's a big disguise guy, and uh, that's that's how if 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 he has to do things like that to create pressure, he will. He'll go in the lab as a mad scientist and concoct something. He's been really good, you know, uh, this year coming up with new stuff on a weekly basis. He he's been. He's been fun to watch. He makes adjustment after adjustment out there, like all the good ones do. Dave, thanks so much, man. Appreciate y'all. See, we'll see you this weekend up here in Buffalo. Thanks. You got it. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate you both. All right, we now test Steve's trivia chops as we make the pass rush part of the numbers game. Steve, we're going to see mm-hmm. if you can name the Bills' pass rushers in the top ten. For single-season sack totals, not named Bruce Smith. Okay, so Bruce Smith holds, are you ready for this, seven of the top ten spots on the single-season sack list. Right. So knowing that we're moving a bit further down the list, obviously to get ten, let's see how well you can do in naming single-season mm. sack leaders for the Bills not named Bruce Smith. So, were there still ten of them? You're saying it's not just three. We're going with the next. <laughs> we're going with the next ten. Next ten. All right. There are a couple of guys here that appear a couple Repeat. of times. Mario Williams. Mario Williams actually appears once. Let's see. Twice. Three times. A lady. Fourteen and a half. Thirteen and ten and a half. So he's got three of those spots. So you got seven left. I will say Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes just outside the top 10. He had two Bryce seasons Pop. of 10 sacks. Bryce Pop, top of the list, 17 and a half. I'll say 
Now, Phil never had a season like that. Phil Hansen. Phil is just outside. Had a 10-sack season in 95. Aaron Schobel. Aaron Schobel. Good answer, Steve. He has three of them. He had, let's see, 14 in 2006, 12 in 2005, and 11 and a half in 2003. Kind of a forgotten guy in a forgotten era of the Bills, unfortunately. Went to two Pro Bowls as well. Chris Kelsey. No on Chris Kelsey. Let's see. Cornelius Bennett. No on Bennett. Nine and a half was the best he ever did. Hmm. Let's say. Man, defensive ends. Who do I? There is a. There is a. Well, basically, the the remaining three that you have to get. They're all one-hit wonders. Right. So they had a big sack season one season, and I will tell you this as well. Who's there with All of them are from this century of football. Right. Who is, in, who is on that line with Mario Williams? I can't even remember. Showable. You're, you're on the right track. Uh, not Kyle Williams. There you go. Kyle Williams, 10 and a half in 2013. You got two guys left, Steve. You can do Who's it. Who's the other? Not Ted Mario. Nope. Let's go. Uh, not Chris Kelsey. One of these guys was a draft pick. He was only here for his rookie contract, then signed a free agent deal elsewhere. Marcel Darius. Nope, not Marcel. He's just outside the top ten with ten sacks in 2013. And then there's another guy here. Shaq. It's not awesome. Shaq. There's no. another guy here who came as a veteran free agent. And surprised people with his pass rushing abilities. Man, you got me. Um, this is a hard one for me. Okay. Uh, let me give you another hint. So, second round pick of the Bills. He was an Ivy Leaguer. Oh, Marcellus Wiley. There you go. Marcellus Wiley in 2000 with 10 and a half sacks. Then this other guy was largely a special team's force for the early half of his career. Then comes to the Bills, plays on defense, and has a monster year and goes to the Pro Bowl as a defensive player. And it was within the last seven years. (laughs) Gonna kick yourself. Defensive player. Hmm. I think I think our people Taiwan in the control Jones. room know this by the sounds we're getting from that room. Taiwan Jones, Medikevich, a special teams guy who came in and, and was a defensive. Came as a special teams guy, but then earned a role, started you know a starting role on defense. Oh. Lorenzo Alexander. Boom diggity, Steve. Lorenzo Alexander, 2016. He had 12 and a half sacks, made the Pro Bowl. I think he was Pro Bowl MVP that year, too. He got a car out of the deal. How about that? They never gave me a car. All right, it took you a minute, but you got there, Steve. Good job. Lorenzo, good for him. Yeah. Way low. Pretty awesome. Pretty wild. All right, who wants to win a million dollars? Well, you can with FanDuel's free pick 'em style game, high low pick teams. From four different stat categories that you think will score the highest or lowest for the week. The more you get right, the more you can win. Get them all right, and you could win up to a million dollars. Just go to fanduel.com slash high low to play. That's H I L O. 
I've got high and low for total points this week here in the divisional playoff weekend. I'm taking the Eagles high for points. They're facing the Giants. And in their two regular season meetings, Philadelphia scored 48 and 22 points. I think they'll be somewhere in between those two. But I believe 30 points is possible for the Eagles. So Philly high for points. Low for points, I'm going with the Cowboys. I just cannot see them duplicating what they did last Monday night against that 49ers defense in San Francisco. I think they'll struggle to get to 20. So Dallas low for points for All me. Right. I'm going to take high for passing yards. No team left in the playoffs has more dependent on their quarterback's arm than the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they're third in pass attempts this season. They're going to roll up passing yards against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Low for passing yards, I'm taking the 49ers. Brock Purdy's a great story. It's, it's going good for him, but the pass rush – with Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, they're not going to be able to throw it that well because he's not going to have time to do it. So I'm going to take low for passing yards, Brock Purdy. Okay, player high for receiving yards. I've got A.J. Brown of the Eagles. The Giants are middle of the pack against the pass this season, but Brown is an alpha male who I think is determined to get his. So I, I like A.J. Brown. High for receiving yards. Low for individual receiving yards. I'm taking the Giants' Darius Slayton. He's put together a nice season, but he's been sliding down the pecking order in the Giants' receiving core. Even Isaiah Hodgins has moved past him as an option. So Slayton, low for receiving yards this week. Yeah, and I think high for rushing yards. It's, it's tough to go between the Niners and, and the Eagles, I think. They're, they're the obvious choices, but I like the Eagles' Miles Sanders. New York was 27th against the run this season. Sanders got 144 yards and a couple of touchdowns in their first meeting with the Giants. So I like Sanders for the high. And for the low... I'm going to go with Buffalo Devin. The Bengals are top 10 run front, and they committee approach that Buffalo uses. It's all about the opportunities that he's yeah. going to get. He's not going to get that many putt, and neither It's is a James volume Cook. It's choice. It's a volume choice. So yeah. the way Buffalo plays their offense, I'm going to go low with Devin Singletary on rushing yards, individual. All right, that's high-low and our picks for the week. Time now for our one burning question. Which defensive front, Steve, We'll have more sacks in the Bills-Bengals divisional playoff. Just so you know, Bills had 40 sacks on the season. Bengals had 30. Yeah, I think Buffalo, you got to say Buffalo on this one. I think this one goes because of the problems that the offensive line of the um, yeah. Cincinnati Bengals have had. And they, the Bengals, to me, they have to throw it. They don't run the ball as well as Buffalo has this regular season. Yeah. Uh, both in yards per game, yards per per rush, all of that stuff. Buffalo runs the ball better than the Bengals do, and they they got to throw it to win. So you're going to get some opportunities to rush the passer. They've got a depleted offensive line, and Joe is slippery as all get out back there. But it's a different cat. Um, so it's Buffalo all the way. Josh is a hard guy to sack. Now they've shown they showed some problems last week handling the zero blitz against the Dolphins. Uh, and you may get some of that from Cincinnati, but I think over the course of 60 minutes, I think Joe Burrow will hit the ground more than Josh will. Yeah, I tend to lean that way as well. The offensive line can't be dismissed. It's a factor. Even if they get one of those two guys back, they still have a backup at right tackle who's been playing the last three, four weeks. That's a problem, especially when you get to this level of playoff football. I think Greg Rousseau is going to step up and have a day. And as you mentioned, Burrow can move around a little bit, but not the way Josh can. Uh, so I, I, think, I think the Bills' defensive front will have more sacks 
in this divisional playoff. That'll do it for this edition of Bills by the Numbers. Be sure to subscribe on your podcast platform so you know when the next episode is out. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check Bills by the Numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time, everybody.